Welcome back to the 1009 Podcast. It is me and Grayson, Slate Show Boys here. Um, if you hear the depression in my voice right now, coming at you after another depressing loss for Clemson football, who now sits at 4-3 and three on the season. It's been our worst record, I think, in like what feels like 20 years. But I know it's probably about 15. So it's something stupid. But we went down to Core Gables where we – Lost our last game in that stadium to Tennessee, but the last time we played Miami in that stadium, we didn't give up a single point, and we lost in double overtime. Yeah, uh, so we've gone from the four-year period where we attended Clemson, losing four times in four years, uh, to losing three times in half a season. So um, that is the way Clemson has evolved as the rest of the country has uh, evolved in a positive manner um and we're losing to teams like miami with a coach that has never won a home acc game until we lost to them um had really not done much of anything during his tenure at miami until we lost to them uh and for those including bailey and to a lesser extent myself crunching math numbers to have us dragged into charlotte by the grace of god himself there's no need for that anymore. Um, and we'd be lucky to be invited to the Holiday Bowl to have DJ Uyunglele kick our ass for three hours. Um, so the Cheez-It Bowl may be something we're looking up to when bowl announcements are given, if we even make a bowl. Uh, I don't think we're going to lose out or anything like that. But there are a lot more losable games on the schedule with each unimpressive performance that we give out. So uh, even... In Raleigh, I don't know. I mean, we were a decent team. We lost to them in, Ra- in Raleigh the last time we had this matchup there. So I, where is rock bottom? Because every time I think I see it, we plummet very, very, very far past that. Um, we possessed the ball for 80 seconds in the fourth quarter, despite having a 10-point lead through three. And I saw this on Twitter, and I almost didn't believe it because it was so bad. But just a quick synopsis of the fourth quarter statistically – uh, we had five total yards, 0 for 5 passing, 0 for 2 one third down, uh, two three and outs. That's good for eight-tenths of a yard per play. Um, and we averaged 40 punt yards. So I, literally no aspect of the team was good in the fourth quarter. Um, and then we had Cade Clumbut Club. Cade Klubnik, I can't say his name. I'll probably learn it if he ever does anything worth a damn. Um, decided that he was a lot more athletic and a lot quicker than everybody in the stadium knew he was uh, when he checked an inside handoff that would have scored and decided to run horizontal himself and recreate the play that like either Baylor or Oklahoma State uh, lost a conference title on and get oh, hawked yeah. by a DB and dragged down, did not gain a millimeter after first contact to the shock of no one. Um, and and we lost. Not that we were ever going to get the two-point conversion after that. No. Uh, tie the game at 28. Um, but speaking, it's just it's embarrassing. Speaking of that play, uh, per usual, you know, my main stay for college football uh, – news and stuff like that. Listen to Cover 3 podcast today. Danny Cannell, but Elliot, they were talking like 
Cade made the right read, even though Dabo said it was not a read play because I think he was covering up for the Florida State debacle. But Cade made the right read, but didn't account for that one other defender that was out there. So, like, if it was a one-on-one, he more than likely scores. And we're talking a different story. Hands the ball off. He, we score. More than likely could be talking about a different story right now. But obviously that didn't happen. This is the second time we've kind of been in the third and one, fourth and one, you know, just need a yard to continue a game, and we didn't. And I know Jacob likes to point out that everything in our offense revolves around a read, and then Dabo likes to go and say, oh, no, this was strictly a run, basically throwing Cade under the bus completely, which I think is just, one, it's not fair to the kid. I mean, he's... He, he went 18 for 34, 314 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. And the interception he was trying, it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't ideal. And he had a fumble, which I know, like you had said, that's eight fumbles on him for the season. But that include, includes some of those messages, which majority of them have been him pulling it. I just, I don't know what to think anymore. Like, this team has lost its edge. There's no will to him offensive line is awful i'm losing interest in will shipley he's done really nothing for me i think moffa is a better running back he's more of a power back he can hold on to the ball um he can run the block he can pass block he can do all that you need and then special teams isn't nothing it's not special it's just a another unit we haven't done anything on kickoff in years punt return is all right i mean when Antonio gets the ball and is able to make a play when he's healthy, he can. Tyler Brown obviously can return, but like we haven't done anything on kickoff since like CJ Spiller was here. And I don't know what the deal with that is, but then I mean, defense can't win you everything, do everything. They're going to give up points at some point. They get tired when you, you know, run three plays, punt, and then give the ball right back to Miami. So like the offense is just, I don't want to put all the blame on Garrett Riley, but his support cast right now, it's not the best. No, but it's not a lack of talent. It's a lack of execution. And if you want to blame talent, it's talent on paper when they get there. And I I realize there's no Hunter Renfro. There's no Deshaun Watson. Cade is the worst quarterback we've had in a long time. And that's not to say Mm -hmm. he's bad. It's just recognizing correctly the talent we have had. Uh, I say it over and over again. The amount of bitching that happened when Kelly Bryant was here playing hurt behind an arguably worse offensive line is insane to me now. Now that we try to make every excuse in the book for Ked Klubnik when we just can't call underperformance what it is. Um, but I think the bar was set a bit too high for this team, and that's not something the players can control. But again, and he also set the bar for himself way too high after that performance against a bad North Carolina defense and a somewhat bad Tennessee defense. Yeah, the worst two games for this entire fan base in the last five years was DJ going to South Bend and throwing for the most passing yards in the history of that like Civil War era stadium. And then Cade Klubnik destroying North Carolina on a national stage in Charlotte. Um, and maybe he's just a head case and didn't have time to think about it then. He was so nervous. There's no expectations. He just kind of went out there and was told to play free. See what happens. We're already out of the playoff. There's no pressure there. We're going to be in the Orange Bowl or a very similar equivalent to that win or lose, likely. Uh, so 
it's just I mean, you're a product of what you put forth on the field. And for those it's two been quarterbacks seven to weeks. do that. We are what we are. He not, is what he is. Nothing is going to change this year. The fumbling yeah. is not going to change. The special teams is not going to change. The offense is not going to change. The fact that we've fired an alum and former player to pay a guy $2 million to still not have full control uh, blows yeah. my mind. And I know we're printing money over there. But, like, that's insane to me. I don't understand why the hell you even hire Garrett Riley in the middle of his national championship prep week um, to do that. And I guess uh, the portal thing I have, I mean, this year I don't know if we had spots for portal guys. We had a scholarship crunch anyway, which I would say to that, do what every other coach in the country does and pull them, which is an uncomfortable thing. You don't want to do it, especially in – uh, you know, God's country, all that stuff, and blah, blah, blah. I don't care. It, college football at this level is cutthroat, and the fact that we think we're exempt from that has never been true. We've just won games, which has kind of covered it up, um, which is fine when we're winning games, and we're not winning games. We're not a top-five team in the ACC this year, let alone the country, as we have been uh, in previous years. But this is year three of the, if you want to call it a skid, I guess. Um no, this is good. And it's never to our standards. It's just good, right? It's never permanent. I mean, Nebraska and Tennessee have been chasing what they had 30 years ago for 30 years, and they're not there. Tennessee is not good this year. Nebraska is not good this year. Nebraska could win the Big Ten West. Uh, yeah, and I'm not gonna. Ooh, I'm not. Game. I still wouldn't take the 28 and a half I'd be given in Indianapolis. So, um. I think that as the Phillies give up <laughs> the, the game tying run top five of game seven as we sit here on a Tuesday, um, I, it's just so as far as the portal thing wasn't the easiest thing to do because of the scholarship crunch. And that's been well noted. We have guys coming back. Um, Xavier Thomas had a very mysterious, well, publicly mysterious uh, absence. We're familiar with why it's very dumb. I don't think it's become public yet, so I won't speculate. Um, but it's, it's not, and it probably won't. That's fair. Yeah, I, I, I doubt it. Um, it's very frustrating. I, I think that it's nice to have veteran leadership, but when said leadership entered school when we did, and we sit here in our mid twenties, um, maybe not what you want, because you would and, think after six years in college, you would have like a single combine slash training camp invite and you don't have to be a first round talent to lead a team but it sure as hell doesn't hurt and if no one else is doing it you look to the guys that have been there longest have been through the entirety of the whole championship window this team had and wondering um and uh, as far as Davo saying thin the bandwagon he got up in front of the team knowing damn well cameras were there and said y'all are the only team I've had since I haven't won a championship Pressure's on. Yeah. And send exactly. that out to t- millions of people. And then you want like, well, shucks, dadgummit, we can't do this every year. Bullshit. Yeah, you can. It's not yeah. impossible. You've been doing it but, for since Taj Boyd was quarterback. You just couldn't get right. over the hump. You get over since, the hump, and you, you get yeah, seven years. The start of, just, of the 2010s, essentially. This is it, right. So uh, to go back on what you said publicly in some hype video, I – that was not a great hype video guy. I'll just say that. Um, 
that had people buzzing. It really did for good reason because this is a program that had two two championships. All four of us picked us to win the national championship, which might have been a little like biased, but still. I mean, I'm not, I wasn't going to pick anybody else. Um, in a year where it is really not – I mean, if we had beaten Florida State and not played horribly against Duke and Miami and we're undefeated right now, we're almost a playoff lock. Yeah. We, Just because I realized – I mean, Notre Dame would still be Notre Dame, North Carolina would still be North Carolina. Those games are both at home, which I know I, isn't making them a guarantee, but it's – at home, an environment we rarely lose in. Um, we've lost two of our last 40 at home, but they've been recently. So um, I, it's just there was so much there, and you can't argue it's because it's really not even that teams are better than us because look nationally, Georgia's number one team in the country for the AP poll. There's not a soul outside of Athens that believes that. Uh, I mean, Michigan has probably – the worst quarterback of the trio of contending teams there, and they know all the team's damn signs. So what what can you even tell about that team now? Um, I think it's just uh, it's very frustrating to hear. And I know it's coach speak. That's what it is. You can't just go down the line and rip players, rip coaches. I, you know, and us taking up that task is not always accurate or fair. Uh, see Streeter, Brandon, and Uyunglele, DJ. Because we thought, okay, we'll remove both culprits for the problem. Turns out it's not that simple. Uh, because they're both elsewhere. DJ's leading a nationally ranked Pac-12 challenger in Oregon State. Uh, Brandon Streeter is contributing to a Georgia team that has yet to lose a game. And we're sitting here with maybe even shittier version of the offense. So, I... And it's the Shipley thing, last thing before I let you talk. Yeah, to the point about, you know... I get in this era, you can't just shun guys because they'll just leave. Let him go. I Name one player that has left this program and gotten better or succeeded more than he did at Clemson. Feaster didn't. None of the guys that didn't get playing time did. I could list guys, but I'm not, I don't want to make it seem like I, you know, I'm dissing them for transferring. They made, they made a decision. And, I mean, Frank Ladson doesn't have a catch in Miami this year. So, I, I mean. There's two years. Yeah, so if a guy's not cutting it and we have players we think may be better than him, Bill Moffa, then make a change. The change is, is a hard thing to come by with this program. Um, Dabo came out, I sent it in the group chat earlier today. Um, his radio call was asked, hey, or what crap, what was it? If there's going to be any staff changes at the end of the season. Swinney laughed and said, hey, man, we're just trying to get to one and this week. Which is the most stock Dabo Swinney comment I've ever heard. And he says, again, we clean up some mistakes and we're having a different conversation. He's been saying that for every single loss that we have. He's saying, oh, we one play. We're 6-0. One play, we're 7-0. At some point, no, you're just not going to be 7-0 after all this. You are what you are, like we have said multiple times. There needs to be change with this program. It probably starts with the offensive line coach. Definitely with your wide receivers coach because the talent is there, but it, it, it's just not clicking. There's something that's not clicking. Your safeties coach probably needs to go. The special teams coordinator, see ya. But he's not going to make those decisions because, oh, what did it? What what's what's the whole meaning behind those people getting hired? Oh, you played at Clemson. Oh, you played at Clemson. 
Oh, you played at Clemson? Oh, you I've known you for 30 years. Nepotism. And what have you done for me lately? Is what uh, yeah. this program is now. As far as uh, moving on from position coaches, as they look over a roster that is 12% Daniel High School, fun fact, um, who you will not see on ESPN playing IMG ever. Um, you can't fire them now because the candidates that are actually worth that position at a program of this nature are currently employed at similar level programs. And so to try and start that process of poaching now, because in my opinion, we do need to be poaching a la Garrett Riley. Um, and we started that process very late in the season. I mean, the last game week of the regular season is when that essentially was done in darkness. Um, so, or last week of the entire season, not regular season, but championship week, there were things done in the dark because um, he magically had an epiphany like the Tuesday or Wednesday of after that he was coming to Clemson, uh, which is, we all know, is not true. Um, so as far as that goes, I don't mind the coach speak there just because, again, I think if we're going to do this properly, um, it's going to happen in the offseason when guys are more obviously open to pulling up roots and moving elsewhere, even if they're in the southeast already. Um, we got Garrett Riley halfway across the country, but that's that's and that was also done in the offseason. So I think that the, the need is there. The timing is not quite there, in my opinion. I, uh, I think with some of them, we've had enough track record that they probably need to go. Like some of them do the, not have a damn track record. That's the problem. Yeah, they don't. Thomas Austin, Their first job is, is here. Thomas Austin, he's been a coach, he's, he's a great offensive lineman. I think. Me and my dad were talking about this a little bit ago. I just don't think we have good offensive linemen here right now. No, and I mean, tell me one offensive lineman, highly talented recruit, great player, that has gone in the NFL to make waves anywhere close to other guys in other position groups. Yeah. I can't name one. So, which, I mean, national championship line. starters. Yeah. Yeah. That have not stuck. There are guys yeah, there. I mean, Jordan McFadden just went day two to the Chargers. Day three was drafted by the Chargers. Um, Tremaine was Tremaine drafted. Anchor, Tremaine Ankrum's out in Los Angeles. He's had some injury issues, which is unfortunate. John um, Simpson was drafted, but got traded yes. to the Ravens and is a starter. Right. Um, but I think Thomas Austin will be fine. I just that's one position I don't think we have good guys at. I think they might we might have missed on some recruits there. Like, Blake Miller is just a big body. Me and my dad were talking about it. Big body. He just – he messes up a lot. He misses a lot of the blocks. But when you go yeah. to, like, wide receiver, we have guys. Bo Collins is a guy. Antonio yeah. Williams is a guy. Tyler Brown. It, you can name all these guys. And for the past three years or whenever Jeff Scott – Jeff Scott – Jeff Scott left – Wide receiver play has just gone downhill and downhill fast, especially after we lost guys like T. Higgins and another guy we won't name because he's in trouble right now. But yeah, we'll get to that. But yeah, um, I mean, I, looking at the 24 class, we have Bryant West go the five star, uh, top 20 national player according to 24 seven, and then we've got T.J. Moore, a top 100 player nationally, also at receiver. So health is. We're still recruiting guys. It's just not developing right. guys. <laughs> right, which is half the job. And you can be as great as you want to be at, at that 
part of the job. So give Grisham credit where it's due there. But if they get there and they're not, it doesn't translate to the field, then why the hell are you there? Get your recruiting desk and you can do that. If that's the aspect of the job you're going to do well, then there's a need to find someone who can do both aspects of it. Uh, we've got a couple of four-star safeties committed currently. I say currently because in the current recruiting landscape, there's nothing stopping this kid from decommitting. Um, it's been a recent Twitter campaign of I've seen some guys, Wesco, uh, the running back, who I will not butcher his name, but the kid from Georgia, um, a talented running back, have kind of come out in public and said, hey, we're committed. You know, screw all the outside noise. Coach is reaching out, appreciate you, no thanks, all that stuff. That's great. It's not binding. <clears throat> Nothing's binding game. until that dotted line is signed. I, it, I will believe it when it comes to a fax machine. Um, so, and we have offensive linemen coming in. Looks like first one I see in the class next year is a three-star. So that's, I mean, that's something. That's I think we have one offensive lineman in the class. As of now, and a lot's going to change between now and then, but that's not overly inspiring, especially when you consider the other avenue to add talent, which we don't use, is the transfer portal. So, yeah, so it's not going to get better this year. And honestly, I don't really want it to because that will, again, if we're consistently bad in the same areas, it makes it a lot easier to start chopping heads off uh, as soon as we win the Myrtle Beach Bowl against. Colorado or something stupid like that that's so far beneath the program you couldn't even see it from the perch we sat on three years ago. Um, so it's the lack of change and the only consistency being the fact that we're weak in the red zone. We turn the ball over. We have a quarterback who thinks he is about half a second quicker in the 40 than he really is. Um, otherwise, and he's fast. But me and my dad were talking about this. He's fast, but he's fast when he's, like, able to get and go. He's not quick. Right. He does not have burst, uh, which is why he, again, got zero millimeters after contact on that run. So I think he was better served putting two hands in the small of Will Shipley's back and shoving him into the end zone, uh, which you can do now. So I I think that, yeah. And, uh, you know, Florida State, he wants to do that fine if you miss a read here but it's it's the end of october like if you're still missing reads at what point is that just who you are like i don't understand the the need to give the kid a pass necessarily you have to be perfect i mean deshaun was throwing pick sixes against um troy so it's not like we need three touchdowns no picks a game but it's like very simple mental stuff that uh needs to be addressed and hasn't been because it's still happening we are saying the same things we did after the Duke game. And it was six weeks ago. So uh, the MO of the team is what it is. It's not good. It's not inspiring. Uh, at least for now, the next class of recruits, which is talented, seems to want to remain intact and be here in the spring, at least the top of the class. Um, and nationally, we're 15th right now, which is – all things considered, I'll take that right now. I will. Um, I mean, Tennessee was winning seven games cheating, or excuse me, five games cheating with top ten classes, with top five classes. So, I, you know, 
that number I'm not concerned with. We've never been number one, I don't think. Um, that's reserved for the Alabama's, the Georgias of the world, uh, which is fine because, I mean, our resume nationally uh, in the playoff deck era is extremely comparable. So I, I'm willing to live with that. But it's just – it's mind-numbing at this point. I – Scroll on Twitter just now, and 24/7 Sports tweeted out: "Fixing Clemson should be easy as one, two, three for Dabo Sweeney." Um, Blake Brockemeyer, whoever he is, um, he's an analyst for 24/7 for college football. His three points are one. Can you guess what it is? I'll, I want you to guess because I feel like you'd be able to probably guess all three of these. Red zone. No, it. Come on, you're thinking. You're thinking too hard. How should Dabo be able to fix Clemson? What are some ways that are easy fixes? Coaching fixes? Close. Part of this. Close. Okay. One, the first one is big obvious. Use the portal. Duh. We talked about that. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. Second one, fixed development issues. Could be coaching. Yeah, you got to nail that down a little bit more than that. But, uh, yes, broadly, yes. Three is let Garrett Riley run his offense. And if these people are noticing that it's just not the same offense and it's clunky, it's just a shit show, for lack of a better term. Well, it's obvious that he's trying to call. Clearly not. Yeah. It's just not. I mean, I mean Brandon still had a great game. I'll give him that. That was good. Use middle of the field. What a concept. But I, so the first one, that is a problem unique to Clemson. The second one, Every damn team in the country needs to do that. Uh, the third one is third one's, a problem. It's, if it's his first year. He's got a bad offensive line. He's kind of got some weird tools, to say the least. We're so. not even – I mean, I get knowing what you have and tweaking based on that, but I, something's got to give. At least we know he's not going anywhere because the Lord knows the last hiring opposition. So it's, you know, if he wanted to keep Garrett Riley for two more years – Check that box. Uh, yeah. God, what was it when I can think of that podcast that we had when Garrett Riley first got hired? If he was here for like three or four years, something either went terribly right or very terribly wrong. Yeah. We're leaning on the ladder right now. So, uh, so I mean, yeah. Uh, you can replace Women Conference with Trap Garrett Riley and Clemson. I think that's enough Clemson talk for right now. It was a good bit. Um, it seems like it's a dead horse we've been beaten for seven weeks now. Um, yeah. We wanted so much after the bye. We talked about it last week, what we needed to see improvement of. And we saw some improvement on that side, but then we still saw just the same old stuff we've been seeing throughout the year. So it's uh, it's just it sucks. It's annoying. It's frustrating. I don't know what else. There's nothing else to really say about it. I and mean, I know Jacob and old old Beezy will have their thoughts about it whenever they make appearances again. And hopefully after this week we won't have this conversation, which we probably will. But we know they feel very strongly about this the same way Jacob says. There's a very it we're highly like there's a chance we go five and seven, which our last win probably could be Georgia Tech. Which is crazy yeah. to think. Oh, but yeah. 
he we're we're all on the same page about everything with his program right now. So yeah, uh, speaking of pages and programs, it seems like Michigan has had pages of other programs uh, signals for three years now. And if you're thinking that's weird, Michigan's been good for three years. That's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, so it seems like Jim Harbaugh has a throne of lies erected for himself, although clearly he forgot to have his boy, whatever his name is, uh, buy tickets down in uh, Fort Worth last year because TCU embarrassed them on national stage. Um, so it appears, and there's been video now, a lot of it from Ohio State, which I find hilarious. They're more motivated than anybody to get them completely screwed by the NCAA. Um, this guy who makes like 50 grand a year is next to the OC and the DC talking constantly. And they're switching coverages, they're changing plays, the line, all these things, because they know what the other team is doing because he has been at games videotaping with his cell phone the signals. And then he goes home in his dark corner office and constructs entire packets of every signal they have and what it means and what to do to counteract it and all these things. Uh, and it, uh, this is not relevant, I guess, very much. But for me, I found it interesting. Michigan against the spread from 2015 to 2020 was 32-38-1. and one. And when this analyst got to Michigan and presumably started this mess, they are 23-11-2 since, which if it sounds good, it's the best mark in the country in that time span. So... Again, point spreads don't mean anything. That's not really a smoking gun, evidence-wise. But it really opens your eyes to just how average those hardball teams were. They didn't beat Ohio State. They didn't go to the playoff. They didn't win the Big Ten. They didn't do anything. And then all of a sudden, they've got this kid who goes to games and records on his cell phone their signals the entire time and then comes back and puts it in very neat, tidy, laminated pages, which... Ohio State fans found pictures of on the sideline during games, and all of a sudden they can beat Ohio State, and they can win the Big Ten, they can go to the playoff and still lose twice. But it's remarkable that it's seemingly just not out of nowhere. I mean, Harbaugh was building a a contender to some extent, but the timing of it is extremely convenient, I will say that. One thing that I'll say about this situation is that there is an art to sign stealing. We've seen it through football. We've seen it through baseball. And some teams take it a little bit, a little too far. Looking at you, Michigan, looking at you, Houston. But it's part of the game. Like you want to try and find an edge. Like it's it's legal. Right. It's legal to steal signs in a game. I mean, this is completely just as right, but not like, with this is about on the Astros level. Um, I don't want to throw him under the bus, and I, I, we know how he's worked, but people would call Brent Venables out for just stealing signs on when he was D coordinator for Clemson. Yeah. But, I mean, he was good at it. He kind of knew, like, what he'd be looking for. He, w- he right. would do more of sort of formation just so he would be able to get the right defense set up. He wasn't looking like, oh, I know this is going to be a run play. He's looking more formation, how they line up and stuff like that. And that's every team does it. You have a specific guy or guy or two that sits there and looks at signs. 
Um, I know like schools like Tennessee, there's some old schools they have those big, big like blockers to block side oh, yeah. stealing yeah, from right. the press box, but I mean it's still gonna come from the other sideline. So at first it's like one get better signs that you don't think are gonna get stolen. I mean it uh two Jacob made the point. Yeah, this is a little far this is a little far that it's going to other games stealing the signs. If he was doing it on the sideline it was just or watching film, watching watching games that were given to him and stuff like that, because a lot of these teams they have access to like the all twenty two where you can see the whole sideline and probably see some some calls that are being made. So it's like he could, but this is like we said, it's stretching a little far going to games and stuff like that. Um, but you Dion, yeah, Dion had a pretty interesting coach, or Dion had a pretty interesting comment today. He said. You can get all the signs you want. You still have to be able to stop them. Which, which it's I wish it's he had mailed signs to Dan Landing because they'd have kicked their ass even more. That's rich. Um, but yeah. Plus, at that point, you know they have them. That's different. Um, yeah. This goes so far beyond like gamesmanship. First of all, I don't think you're allowed to even have employees at other games because it's obviously a competitive advantage, and not every school can afford to fly out a 20 year old to go steal signs from games and you sure as shit cannot sit there on your phone and record the entire time as some teams have said they have video evidence from the stadium of him doing um and with the wrinkle of him standing next to play callers that comment that you just said like teams have video evidence of him yeah videoing why is it just now coming out now why isn't like because you don't look for it but they say they never they, look for that. If they have that already and know that specifically be, who he is, and like that's that also be, like one of those things. It's like, why are you just waiting for this now? Well, my assumption is there is a way through ticket databases or something of that form to know where he's sitting. Yeah. Um, and they, and they, they get also, security cameras. And I mean, the Fox track. broadcast could have panned this kid doing this. And on TV, you don't think anything of that because you can't see where he's pointing the camera anyway. Um, you know, this goes so much past. And then he was, there's no saying that this was not past him because there's video of him on the sideline talking to play callers on both sides of the ball with these damn sheets in his hand. Yeah. So, that vivid sheet is like, that's, that's a sign that they're going this. <laughs> it's obviously, I mean, Ohio State fans hide it the best. more motivated than anybody to find it, but it's yeah. clear as day unless they're using AI or Photoshop. I don't think they are. This is everybody. So I don't think Harbaugh, first of all, when this punishment comes down in like 2036, he won't be there anyway. So it's going to be, again, kids will be punished that are not even enrolled right now, which is the worst part of the entire NCAA and their inability to discipline correctly uh, at all. Um, But Harbaugh is going to leave Michigan 100%. It may be after this year because – I cannot wait to watch this team play the rest of the season. Uh, apparently, this kid had tickets purchased on both sides of Penn State, Ohio State. Same seat, both sides of the stadium. Didn't use them because it's probably all hit the fan. Um, he had been scouting teams like Tennessee last year that were playoff hopefuls. He had tickets to a Clemson game a while back. I don't know what year. I saw that come across the Twitter timeline. 
Um, and all that comes with a grain of salt because, again, I did get it off Twitter, so I'll keep that in mind. But um, it is alarming. And to Michigan's credit, I guess, uh, can you imagine if vacating wins, I think we'll be on the table here, had they actually won anything of significance outside yeah. of Big Ten? I mean, that, they've got they're one and one in playoff semifinals. Or excuse me, they're zero and two in playoff semifinals. Like they haven't clearly they needed two of the kid uh, because they. And it's funny, like every playoff hopeful they went and scouted last year, I don't think made the playoff. So uh, maybe a little jinx there, but it's. Uh, it's going to be bad for Michigan. I think they're going to lose scholarships. They're going to lose uh, postseason eligibility, maybe. I, we've not seen anything of this magnitude ever, so I'm not sure what the punishment is going to be. I just hope it's extremely swift because, again, if this drops when, like, Denard Robinson Jr. is playing, then I have no interest in it because it will be a detriment to the kids that are there now that are currently in middle school, and that does nothing to actually curb any of this because every single coach and staff member will be gone by then. Um through firing or otherwise. Um, I mean, we've seen a big cheating scandal here recently. I know it's a completely different sport and it's in professions. It's in professional sport. But the NCAA, as bad as they are, they need to, yeah, they need to take some sort of lesson from that and yes. either find the absolute piss out of Michigan, re- revoke a ton of scholarships for the next couple of years, and like you said, it's so it's something that's not 15 years down the line. Like we kind of see, with, I think, with what Tennessee or stuff like that, or like some of these bowl bands. Like, uh, I think what Baylor was still in the bowl band pretty recent. It's, it's just like, or UAB, it's, just the, that, the, the dumb the stuff that takes where no one even contemplates ever doing it again. Because if they get a slap on the wrist in eight years, what is stopping teams from doing this? Right now, starting this week. I mean, but how many other teams are already doing this right now? And they probably are like, all right, shit, we probably need to. I don't think. I think this is that bad. I don't think there's another team in the country doing it. I really don't. Is there other teams sign stealing? Yeah, but probably not to send a whole person to another state. Again, no. Exactly. The specifics of this, I do not think are being duplicated anywhere else because it's that bad. Um so, uh, I don't know where you go from there because that's just, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm very interested to see what the punishment for this is. But, um, like I said, if it's the other shoe comes down half a decade from now, then I, I just, there's not a lot of bite to that bark, uh, discipline wise. So, I don't know. It's going to be a shit show, say, that's for sure. You say bite to bark as I have one of our dogs just barking right now. I know you probably can't hear it, but good timing on that joke. But, I mean, other than that, college football was interesting this past weekend. UNC lost, which would be Miami. We're right back in the ACC conversation because Duke lost and we need them to lose two more, which isn't all that bad because Riley Leonard was not healthy, but that's completely out of the table. Um, Alabama got his revenge against Tennessee from last year. 
Uh, Iowa and Minnesota played in a absolute barn burner. Um, Minnesota won on four field goals. Uh, and potentially one of the worst fair catch calls ever. So Yeah, I was um, one of the my fiance's friends that she has made through another friend. They are from Minnesota, and he played at Minnesota from like 17 to 20. And I was talking to him yesterday about it. He's like, do you think that was a fair catch? I said, no. He's like, yeah, me neither. We got lucky. So, and he had some interesting comments about P.J. Fleck, which I'll have to get his official comments at a later date. But (laughs) um, that was a great game. Um, Washington had a barred murder, too. Beat Arizona State 15-7. to Did not score off a touchdown. Oklahoma barely beat UCF. Texas survived against Houston. Uh, it was just, I mean, Ole Miss barely beat Auburn. It was just one of those weekends. Utah and USC was a great game. It was just one of those weekends where it was almost a bunch of slip-ups. Yeah, uh, I mean, what have I said about 10, 30 Pac-12 games uh, for a while now? So, I mean, it's just goes to show that, uh, especially out west, as we've seen in years past with all these Oregon teams that, uh, are very good nationally, but just can't get through the Pac-12 schedule, even as weak as it may have been on its face. Um, I mean, Washington, probably the best offense in the country, can't score an offensive touchdown on uh, Arizona State, of all teams. So uh, it's just one of those things where the more we think we know this season, the less we actually uh, see that we thought was going to happen. So um, very, very exciting from a national perspective. You know, us being Clemson fans, it's a bummer that we're not involved in this fray that has become uh, the playoff contender tier. Um, obviously, we lost USC this week as they picked up a second loss uh, to Utah, a team that has now beat Caleb Williams three times. But uh, that the number of teams that can make the playoff is slowly but surely shrinking as teams pick up the second loss. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. As uh, the home stretch of conference play begins, we start to see some conference championship games take place, or excuse me, take shape. Um, where teams fall, the scenarios play out to be on championship weekend, and who needs what, and what team on the outside looking in could benefit from not playing a championship potentially. So, you know, one of Michigan or Ohio State, Penn State, uh, with one loss that is it outside of Indianapolis, things like that. Um, even a Pac-12 team with one loss that doesn't make it to their conference championship game may have an outside chance. Um, it's just there's so much we still don't know as much as we try and guess and evaluate and all these things. Um, so it should be super exciting. Yeah, there's still a lot of that's what week seven going on, eight roughly. So there's plenty of football still play. I mean, you, you still got game like you got the final bedlam game, you got the final uh, civil war. Like there's these big rivalries that are playing their last game for a while that have implications for their uh, conference championships. So it's college football is just the best sport ever because there's so much parity, especially this year. Um, because I mean, Big Twelve, you got Oklahoma's four and zero, and then the you got four or five teams that are at three one, four or five teams that are at two and two. So it's it's a dog fight. I mean, it's just the best. So 
like you said, there's a lot to look forward to coming down the road. Oh yeah. Um, so that's South Carolina got boat raced by Missouri, the king of Columbia's. Uh, yeah. Shout out to me for uh, taking minus seven and a half for uh, an amount oh. that would not be described by most as responsible. So there's nice <laughs> to have a sweat-free winner there as South Carolina had no chance the entire game because they ran up like a 21 nothing deficit like very very early and if you know anything about South Carolina football if you get them down they will quit so that was nice to know that there's no chance of a comeback there that's going to be one of the worst games to watch in rivalry weekend there might not be 10 wins between the two teams that game is going to be on the CW I know we play NC State but on the CW should not be televised yeah, I, I don't want it in the newspaper. That's how bad it is. That's terrible. We talked about it. It could be a battle for bowl eligibility. <laughs> like, uh, Shane Beamer might not be there. That's how bad yeah, they are. He, They're bad. I, I know we talked about it the other day. His record with Will Muschamp and... Well, he keeps losing. So <laughs> it's hard to chase a guy down if you're not adding in and the win. As much as I hate him, Spencer Rattler is having a good year. Their they remaining just, schedule, this is not tongue-in-cheek. This is serious. They go to A&M this weekend as two touchdown underdogs. They're losing that game. They then get Jacksonville State at home. They will probably be a two-point favorite. I will give them that game. They get Vanderbilt at home. For the sake of the non-on-fire state of Shane Beamer's house, I hope they win that game. They get Kentucky at home. They're not winning that game, I don't think. And they get Clemson at home. And I hope to God that is a 40-point game at halftime. So, yeah, uh, what are they? Awful. they two, uh, they're two and four right now. Is that where they sit? Mm-hmm. Yep. They've lost three in a row. They've had four chances to play ranked teams. They have lost every single one of them. They're two and five. Good Lord. Yeah, they are two they and just, five. They, they have to win out to be bowl eligible. They're not making a bowl. I hate to say it, but they're not. <laughs> I would give any South Carolina fan right now 101 odds that they will make a bowl game. It's not happening. It's just not. Their bowl eligibility lifespan has about three more, four more, five more days. It's Tuesday. I don't know. Math's hard. They're not going to College Station and winning. I know AM leaves a lot to be desired. They have some of the most wasted talent in the entire world. Um, and hell, Jimbo might get fired before the season's over, too. So, uh, I won this game last year. I realized that. That's great. That's fine. Um, I didn't realize the spread was two touchdowns. I, I must be tempted to take South Carolina, but um, that's probably a game I will not touch because even when a bad team is favored to beat a bad team by two touchdowns, sometimes you're just better off not even touching it. So, um, Again, it's nice to have an in-state reminder that things could always be worse. Um, you know, Dabo's foot is healthy, both of them, although I, I hope that Shane Beamers is not swollen to the point where he can't put it in his mouth to where he stops getting in front of microphones and shedding tears of just non-accountability and blaming everyone but himself, the chain gang, the cheerleaders, the volleyball team, whoever the hell else he can think of. Um so it could be worse on and off the field. As much as we hate South Carolina, 
our coaches, both of our coaches say some dumb stuff to the media. It is they don't know how to keep their mouth. It's a terrible reflection of how bad education is in this state, um, however related that may be. So, that, yeah. Um, when Marcus Freeman has better press conferences than your coach, you have a problem. Yeah. It's, it's, we're, we're, the state of South Carolina is just, it's not good right now. Um, so, no. Um, but that's, that's Saturday. A lot of Clemson there, obviously. Uh, we tend to talk more the worse they do. So, this was a very Clemson heavy episode. Uh, but NFL Sunday existed, not the best slate in the world. Featured some weird games, some weird outcomes. Looking at you, uh, Buffalo Bills, what the hell was that? Um, the Chargers game happened against a team they do not beat, and they lost because that's just what happens. Um, I blame Taylor Swift for inspiring Travis Kelsey to have 111 billion yards in the first half and not really need anything in the second half because we didn't score. So, um, Panthers didn't lose this week. That's good news. Um, First time in a lot of weeks. Right. So, uh, I mean, Browns-Colts was a race to 40. That was, you know, <laughs> that game was probably the craziest of the day just because of the lead changes and uh, the officials the, apparently yeah. enjoying the Cleveland Browns having unlimited shots at the end zone. Uh, Kareem Hunt scoring with 12 seconds left, I think. Um, I mentioned the Bills. They lost to the Patriots because I, I've said it every week. They're the most Jacqueline and Hyde team in the world. Defensive injuries aside, they let Mac Jones run a two-minute drill on them uh, and hit Mike Kosicki for a one-yard TD. Um, Lions plus three was the most popular bet. I don't want to talk about it. Shut your mouth. Stop. Stop. Stop talking about it. I will not name any of the 10 million people who bet on a team to cover a three-point spread, score six points themselves, and almost give up 40. Um, but the top seven public sides in the NFL all failed to cover this weekend, capped off by the Niners last night, who lost outright. Um, so, I mean... As much as we said about the NFC and we think we know, uh, the Eagles very good showing Sunday night against a Dolphins team that uh, has now lost games against the two best teams they faced this season by four and two touchdowns. So the more we think we know about Miami, uh, the league's number one offense who scored 17 points. Um, that's not inspiring. Kirk Cousins may be a top 10 or excuse me, Kirk Cousins may be closer to a top five quarterback than a top 10 quarterback in the league this season specifically uh, as they bounce back and beat the 49ers outright at home last night, Monday Night Football, um, after squeaking out wins against the Vikings and Panthers, excuse me, the Bears and Panthers by single digits. So this is not exactly a barn burner of a team. Um, but Damn they right, were a tough team. Sure. Uh, they found ways to win. So uh, the Packers continue to infuriate me. They lost to Denver. Um, you know, Geno didn't look good, beat the Cardinals because they're bad. Um, 
I will never, ever, ever, ever in my life put any amount of thought into an Atlanta Falcons game the rest of my life. Um, that is such <laughs> a stupid game. You got Young one of the best running backs in the country, and he didn't touch the ball. Mind-numbing to me. He had a headache, which uh, head injuries are nothing to be fooled around with, and I realized that. But he was active and stood there. Um, so that had Twitter lit up Sunday. Um, but, I mean, we didn't really learn a lot from this week other than the fact that the Ravens may be a true top-of-the-AFC team. Um, I mean, the Lions are a good team. These, this was a matchup of two division leaders um, and they dominated from the start. I mean, it was 28, nothing at halftime and it could have been 40 something if they wanted it to be. So uh, I think that the Ravens impressed me the most Sunday, probably out of all the teams. Um, and I think the bills are an easy pick for most disappointing. Uh, what did you think as far as who impressed you and who disappointed you on Sunday? Uh, I didn't get to watch much NFL this Sunday, but from what I gathered with keeping up with scores on fantasy football, um, Twitter, general stuff like that, um, like I'm, I'm with you on that. Like, I think the Ravens are a better team than majority of the, the league. Uh, I think it's right now, I think it's going to be Ravens and chiefs for the AFC. I don't really see many other teams challenging them for that spot either because the bills have been very up and down uh they lost in london they've lost this game uh they lost to the jets opening week so like you said they're up and down jekyll and hyde um those are the only teams that like would really challenge in the afc i mean nfc it's a crap shoot right now for that that league um because the chiefs the chiefs the eagles are beatable um to figure out how to stop that damn brotherly shove or whatever they call it. But the 49ers <laughs> are starting to kind of come down to earth. Um, so, I don't they know. Miss Samuel. Uh, yeah, that's true. And then, no, they don't have any other injuries. I thought uh, Trenton Williams was hurt, but then he come back. I think he did, yeah. But, yeah, NFC, it's kind of wide, more wide open than the AFC from what I take away from this weekend. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the way this year has gone so far, the Ravens will go to Arizona next week and lose outright as whatever 12 point favorites they end up being. Um, Since we didn't glean a ton from this past week in the NFL, I'm looking briefly at next week. Bengals at Niners in the middle window is going to be a very important game for both of those two teams. Um, Bengals trying to get to four and three. 49ers trying to stop a two-game skid uh, as they return home. That's going to be a big one. Uh, also, no, they're, middle on a, window. they're on a two-game skid. They'll be on a three-game right. skid. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're good. I see what you mean. Um, a very slept-on game because of where we thought these two teams would be preseason. Browns at Seahawks, that's two four-and-two teams, which is uh, – that's going to be one where it might not get a lot of views – um, you know, cable rating wise or betting slips, honestly, but that's one that means a lot for the broad picture of the NFL, even as they uh, reside in different conferences. 
Vikings Packers is a huge one for that division next week. Falcons Titans. Uh, I mean, if the Titans have any chance of chasing down Jacksonville, they're going to need that one at home. Um, and they're actually a home dog in that one. Oh, so I forgot about Jacksonville when talking about the AFC there. Yeah. And the last game I'll mention, they go to Pittsburgh next week. And Pittsburgh is 4-2 and two despite being out gaining every single game. Um, that's a massive one in the AFC. So, you know. Not the best week of games this past week. We saw some top teams struggle, some top teams lose. Um, but next week, we will find out a lot about where we stand through the month of October as far as where these teams stack up and who's better than who, at least for the moment, and um, who's headed on the right track as far as uh, AFC or NFC. <laughs> you mentioned October, and one other thing that's going on in October right now, uh, the Championship series is going on for both AL and NL. Well, actually, no longer going on for the AL. Um, the Texans won in seven games against Houston after Adolis Garcia decided to be abs- go absolutely mammo in the last couple games. He had three homeowners in the last six at-bats. Um, as we're sitting here now, the Phillies and Diamondbacks are in game seven as well, going into the bottom of the seventh. And the D-backs are up seven to, or four to two. They're at Citizens Bank Park, which, you know, it's a rowdy home environment, which apparently the Diamondbacks can just shut it up. But right. still some more baseball to be played in that. But a Rangers and Diamondbacks World Series is not a lot of what people had on the cards for this year. No, I mean, I don't think people had them winning their divisions, and they actually didn't. Uh, they didn't need to, so... Uh, I think the most interesting stat I saw as far as baseball recently is this is the first game seven the Phillies have ever been in, ever, uh, which is extremely hard to believe. But, um, yeah, they found themselves in need of two runs with single-digit outs left. So it's going to be a big one. Uh, you mentioned Texas last night embarrassing Houston. I think it was like 10-4, to 4, the 11-4 to 4 of the final. Uh, Mattress Mack with his $7 million in Astros World Series futures. Looked on and then was relieved of his shoelaces probably again. Um, so we mentioned cheating. The Astros started this whole phenomenon, so they deserve every bit of getting their ass kicked at home. Uh, it was extremely funny just counting thousands of empty bleacher seats in the eighth inning on as this game got blown open in a hurry. Um, so zero sympathy there. Uh, as an Angels fan, it's not ideal to see two teams in your own damn division playing in the ALCS, but that's kind of how that goes. Um, so, yeah, I will be rooting for the Diamondbacks to get nine more outs and for them to beat whoever, or excuse me, to beat Texas uh, in the World Series just because I want nothing good to happen to any ALS team if my team can't have anything good happen to it. So it is spiteful, but I do not care. Uh, go Diamondbacks. Yeah, and after recent events against the Phillies, I am also very, very much pro pro snakes. So I would love to see this game happen the way it's going. So, um, yeah, I mean that kind of, I mean NBA is getting over, getting underway tonight. Um, I know we will have some more uh, insight on that, picks, bets, you know the the whole shebang that we usually kind of do. Um, especially once the season gets going, just once we get a feel for how these teams are, uh, the Nuggets beat the Lakers 
119 to 107 tonight, which, you know, first game of the season. Who knows? Who cares? But uh, you get your rings tonight. They're going to win that game nine times out of ten. So, um, lot look forward to for the NBA season. We are not doing a fantasy basketball for this year. Uh, we tried that last year, and it went all right. And, you know, one-year experiment. As the reigning champ of a four-team league, um, I am also not interested in doing that again. So, uh, you mentioned two games tonight. Suns Warriors going on on TNT as we speak. Suns up five, five and a half minutes into their very young season. Uh, Bradley Beal out tonight, newly acquired, but has not seen the court yet for the Suns. So, uh, Yusuf Nurkic, the uh, main new face in Phoenix on the court tonight. So, we'll see how that plays out. I did get on to Phoenix plus two and a half once the Beal news dropped. So As hopefully they can win that game. Um, I can speak for myself firstly saying I will be having plays on the Twitter at the 10 or nine just about every night. Uh, you know, some nights like hockey, if you've been paying attention to that, there's just only one or two games. It's not worth it, but um, a lot of games tomorrow night, it will be absolutely worth a dive into. So I will tweet my, picks, leans, thoughts, etc. They get some blogs fired up just to kind of more long-form react to NBA, maybe weekly recap, something like that, just to give you an idea of where my head's at as the early season plays out. So uh, anything I do, it'll be on our website, but I'll obviously tweet links out for that as well. So you'll be able to find it on the Twitter. Uh, like I mentioned, at the 1009, we're getting close to 550 followers on there. So if you're any small part of that, I appreciate it. Uh, if you haven't wandered over there yet, I highly encourage it. Uh, we'll throw out some live tweets during games, things like that, ways to stay engaged with all y'all. So um, that's really it as far as the wide world of sports is concerned. Um, obviously, go Diamondbacks as they're nine outs away from the World Series as we sit here. Um, and I get to watch Brandon Marsh play in the postseason, so that's fun. Um, but yeah, anything else from you this week in sports? Uh, as long as you remind me about NFL bets, I will also gladly – or NFL. As long as you remind me on NBA bets, I will gladly hop on that horse as well. Um, yes, I will keep them uh, accountable, although accountability-wise, yeah. you're at least here. So that counts for yeah. a good bit. Hopefully for your sake, this that was Brandon Marsh's last at-bat of the season. Um, yes. So other than that, I don't have too much. I know college football is going to be ramping up again this weekend. NFL is going to be NFL. And we are going to have a World Series to talk about as well. So, and NBA. So, there's a lot going on right now. It's the, the it's getting very equinox, busy with the big four all in yes, action. Though. Sports Equinox should probably be coming up here in the next couple of days. Christian Pache is about to get in a bat for the Phillies. So, I love that. This is peak white flag material. So, yeah, that's about all I got. Uh, you know, sports are sports, and we love it. Yeah, so uh, this will be on Apple and Spotify per usual. I've mentioned the Twitter several times. It's still at the 10 or 9, so you get to see everything we do will be linked or posted there, and uh, we will talk after hopefully a Clemson win against known laptop fan Dave Doran in NC State. Deuces. Subscribe.